Let's pray as we stand. Almighty Father, as we come now to your word, uh, it's our, our prayer that you will um, you'll be very active in our lives and our hearts. We just said uh, we believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so uh, having entrusted ourselves to you, we now ask that you will do a deep work. Teach us on the one hand, uh, but also change us on the other hand and bring us uh, to a deeper trust, faith, in Christ in such a way that, that our life actually changes, that we would be more like him. So please come and do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. And uh, it would be helpful if you would turn back to page 11 in your service sheets, that reading, that excerpt from the Gospel of John. Uh, every single week over the course of the autumn, we are taking uh, the next few paragraphs uh, from John chapter 13, we'll go on through uh, chapter 17 before we're done. And what we're doing is we're listening to Jesus uh, during his last dinner, before uh, his suffering and his death, on his last night. And what he's doing is he's, he's describing to the disciples, he's coaching the disciples in the kind of culture that he wants for the Christian church uh, that will come through the disciples' ministry. Now, our reading today is, I think, deceptively difficult. Here's why I say it's deceptively difficult. On the one hand, it's really straightforward and clear, right? Look at verse 34. Verse 34 says this. Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By, all the, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, that's reasonably clear, right? Isn't it? Um, uh, Jesus says, listen, if you're going to be famous for something, if you're going to be known for something, I want you to be known for love. And he wants us here, very clearly, he wants us to love each other so deeply, so profoundly, so significantly, that when um, other people look at us and how, our, how we uh, care for each other, um, that they just sort of said, man, that just kind of smells like Jesus. That just reminds me of Jesus. That, those people must belong to him. It's reasonably clear, like it's, it's straightforward, right? Love each other. It's easy to understand. And I imagine, not only is it easy to understand, I think it's probably reasonably easy to, to agree with. Uh, I can imagine most of us saying here, you know, if I'm going to be part of a religion, if there's something that we can all agree on is really important to any kind of religion, uh, surely it's got to be love. I expect that loving each other has got to be part of it. So, here's a text. Easy to understand. We all agree on it. So that's the end of the sermon, right? There's a couple laughs. We can just go, no, you know that's not going to happen, right? That's not going to be the end of the sermon, because here's the deal. It's clear, it's easy to understand, easy to agree with, but, but, it is shockingly difficult to live out. I mean, just think for a minute. Think, think about, I don't know, think about world history. Uh, how difficult it is for people to love each other. Think about church history, the very people that are supposed to live under this new commandment. Think about how difficult it is in church history for people to love each other. And then think about your own relationship history. Personally, how's it gone? 
How well have you loved others? How well have they loved you? Everybody agrees that we should love each other. The problem is that it's just extraordinarily difficult to pull it off. And that's the stark reality that we've got to deal with. See, part of, one of the things I want to show you today is that Jesus' command, love each other like I love you, sounds simple, but it is so high and so demanding that it is very near impossible for us to pull off. Or better, the only way we can pull it off is if Jesus makes us a kind of new sort of humanity, does something so radically so uh, changes us so deeply and radically that we're almost a new kind of human. What in the world could that mean? Well, let me explain. But to, in order to explain this, I'm going to have to tell you the whole story of the Bible. So we're going to have to go back to the very beginning. See, you thought it was going to be a short sermon? Ends up not. So go back to the, we don't have to tell the whole story, but most of it. Um, in the very beginning of the Bible, uh, if you've read it, um, God, it's a story of God creating everything, right? And um, the Bible, the, uh, Genesis doesn't give us a whole lot of details about how God creates, but Genesis gives us a lot of information about why God creates. Uh, so in the scriptures, God creates out of his love. It's just the overflow of his love, uh, which was different from most of the ancient Near East uh, uh, religions of the day when, when uh, Genesis was written. Most of the other uh, religious traditions had an idea that somehow, usually, um, something went wrong and creation happened. Usually. So, so usually the, the gods got in a fight or uh, somebody made a mistake and it was like, oops, and then check it out, here we are. Um, but the Bible it works differently than that. It, it, instead, it's this story. Part of why it's so shocking in its original cultural context is that God chooses to create almost like an artist. Uh, an artist, I'm not an artist, but I'm told, artists almost love their art into existence. And if you read the first uh, chapter of Genesis, again and again, God creates something and then God looks at it and says, that's good. And when he says, that's good, that's an expression of his love. It's not because God needs us, needs creation. God gives just out of the overflow of his generosity. And then God creates humans. And, and Genesis gives a lot of reasons for why humans uh, get created. But part of it is this. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates humanity with a role, a job, a career in mind. We were designed to do something very particular. And it's described using this, uh, this idea that humanity is created in the image of God. You may have heard of that. We're created in the image of God. Well, part of what that means is that God created us and designed us to represent him well to this world that he loves and has created. And we were supposed to uh, represent God by, by cultivating the world, like the garden, uh, studying the world like scientists and being delighted with it. Um, we were supposed to lead the world so that it flourishes and comes to all that it can be. And we were to do all of this as the image of God. We were supposed to, so to speak, image forth God, represent God by loving creation as God has loved us. Now, why am I going into this? Here's why. 
From the very beginning, when God designed humanity, God designed humanity to love as he loves us. He loved us in creating us. He wants us to reflect that love to the world around us. It's right at the very beginning of the Bible. And therefore, when we get to Jesus' command in the Gospels, um, he says, love as you have been loved. And there's a way in which that is naming um, something. It's, he's doing it in a more deep way, a more significant way. We'll get to that in a little bit. But there's a way in which that command is woven into the depths of who we are as humans. It's part of our design specification. And I wonder, why, I, I wonder if that's part of why it's a reasonably non-controversial commandment. Because there's something about it that resonates with us. We were kind of designed to do this. But the trouble is, as I already mentioned, the trouble is that while we all agree that we should love each other well, we just don't do it very well, not usually. And again, you can go back to Genesis. So what happens is God creates, and then something goes wrong. You may have heard the story of Adam and Eve, the garden, the fruit. They ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat. But here's the thing about that story. We sometimes tell that story as if it's just this little tiny oops once again, doing something naughty. But there's something deeper there. What happened when humanity, so to speak, eats the fruit and rebels against God, part of what happens there is that we maimed our capacity to love well. There's a self-inflicted wound in us that takes our capacity to love, which was part of why we were designed to do, and just, just twists it and harms it. So th think with me. So Adam and Eve in the story are put in the garden in order to care for the garden and to serve it in a selfless way. To love it as they have been loved. But think about it. Do they do that? Do they love the garden selflessly? God created selflessly. God asks them to care for their creation selflessly. But do they love it selflessly? And the answer is no. They're not serving the garden selflessly. What happens is they reach out, they grab it, and they use it for their own ends. They eat the fruit that God said don't eat. And that's disobedience. But it was also a failure to love selflessly. They weren't serving the garden, they were exploiting it, using the resources for their own desires. Now, just think about the, the unfolding of human history, it, it, at the very least, how, our, how we impact our environment, and you can see this plays out very deeply in our own story. And it causes, in the scriptures, it causes all kinds of problems. But one of the problems it causes that's very important is that it maims, harms our capacity to love selflessly. We were designed to love selflessly like God, but we're now injured at, desperately. And therefore, instead of loving selflessly, our default setting now, every one of us, is to love Selfishly, the love for our own self, self-focused love. Now, let me illustrate this from our reading. L look at our reading. Do you see the bit about Peter? You probably know this story about Peter. Peter says, um, I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. I'll give my life for you, Jesus. Now, think about that for a second. Does that sound selfless? 
I'll give my life for you. It sounds like the definition of selfless, doesn't it? Let me ask you another question. Did Peter really love Jesus at dinner? Of course he did. Did he sincerely love Jesus? Of course he did. The question is, though, did he love Jesus as deeply as he thought he did? And the answer is no. Because within 24 hours, Peter had effectively disowned Jesus to save his own skin. And see, that's very often how we find ourselves loving, isn't it? Um, we, do, do we love other people? Of course we love other people. Do we love other people sincerely? Of course we love people sincerely. But do we love people selflessly? That gets more complicated. Because the answer to that question is probably sometimes, but not often, and never consistently. Am I wrong? And that's why I say you can see that this command, love each other, it's deceptively difficult. Because what it means for us, let's just think about our own church for a second. It means, Emmanuel, that Jesus requires us to love each other like he has loved us. It's the fundamental mark of authentic Christianity. If we don't do it, we are pseudo-Christians. We're, we're hypocrites. And we all know that there's enough hypocritical Christians in the world. So this is super important. And I think we should think about our own church for, for a minute. Um, I think it's fair to say that, uh, that I, I, hope, I hope this is fair to say, that we're a reasonably uh, friendly church. Yeah? I love the fact that we have to, like, call everybody back from sharing the peace. You know, we have to say, hey, c cut it out. Yeah, yeah, keep talking later, you know. We're friend I think we're friendly. I hope we're friendly. I hope you find that. Um, and it's one of the fringe benefits of being a new church. We get to be exuberantly friendly with each other, and that is good. However, this command in this passage just pushes way, way, way beyond merely being friendly with each other. Because you can be friendly with other people and never love like Jesus wants us to love. We can be really friendly and smiley towards other people. And we can be sincerely friendly and yet never go beyond a kind of self-focused love towards other people. Now what does it look like when we go beyond self-focused love and start to love selflessly? You know that's starting to happen when you see people loving in, in three contexts, not just three, but let me point out three. Conflict, difficulty, and measured over the long haul. Here's what I mean. Um, so a new church like ours, um, a new community gets started. And what happens is uh, people start to get to know each other. They make friends with each other. And it's really, really fun. And everybody's having a good time. And there's nothing wrong and everything right with that. However, at least for a while, it's inevitable that our relationships are going to be a little surfacey for a little while, right? Um, and, but then, at some point, as we walk with each other for a little bit, and if this doesn't happen to you yet here at Emmanuel, <laughs> don't worry, give it time. Um, what happens is after a while, somebody hurts somebody else. 
or somebody offends somebody else, and conflict breaks out. Now, here's the question, pause. Are we capable of loving each other well in the midst of conflict? Or difficulty. At some point, as we walk together in this life, here at this church, there's going to be times where we hit difficult seasons of life. Somebody goes through a very hard portion of their life, or you experience great difficulty of one variety or another. And here's the question. Will we love each other well when we're walking with each other through terrible difficulty? See, these are little tests. And this is very often where real Christian community gets born. Um, Very often people think that if a community experiences any conflict or any difficulty, that that's a sign that the community is failing. That is not necessarily what that means. Sometimes it is, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. Very often those are the moments where we are pressing up against the frontier of beginning to love like Jesus would have us love. Will we love each other? In conflict. Will we love each other in difficulty? Lastly, will we love each other over the long haul? Longevity. Why do I bring up longevity? Here's why. There is a quality of Christian love community that you only experience when you have walked with somebody for 10 years, 25 years, 30 years. And Jesus wants us here at Emmanuel to love each other for the long haul. And I fully expect that some of us here will grow old together. And I bet that that's, for some of us, that's going to be, that's going to be obvious. For some of us, it's going to be mind-blowing. Because some of us here have never considered loving somebody outside family context for that long. Um, Very often, we imagine loving somebody outside family for as long as that relationship sort of fits into our life choices, right? But when Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you, he's pushing us Uh, to say that Christian love isn't supposed to fit into your life choices. Your life choices are very often rearranged around the question, how can I love well? It's demanding. Do you know what was really exciting for me this week? As I was was thinking about this, looking at the passage, uh, thinking through the big story of the Bible, one of the things that was really encouraging is that I found myself thinking about some of you, names, I won't mention names because of confidentiality, and I don't know which one to choose. But I could think of people who have rearranged their lives at significant personal cost, not because they had to, but because they wanted to, so that they could keep loving this church well. Loving loving you. you. You may not even know that they've done that. Then I realized I can think of other people who are loving each other in the midst of terrible pain and difficulty. You may not know who they are, but they're here. They're part of our church. And then I realized that I can think of other people who have been hurt by somebody in this church, by by people in this church, whose reflexive first impulse is, how can I show the person who's hurt me that I love them well. 
And when I thought about these various scenarios, and I'm not, none, no one of those is specific, there's more than one. When I thought about how, you know, you can see people loving each other in conflict and difficulty in longevity, it, it, it excited me because it means that, that Jesus is beginning to press us forward to tasting just a little bit of what it means to love each other as Christ has loved us. And I hope that excites you, it excites me, it should excite us, but you know what? It also shouldn't satisfy us. Why shouldn't it satisfy us? Because look back at verse 34 in your reading. Verse 34. It's two words to explain why we should not be easily satisfied with our progress. The two words are just as. Jesus says, I want you to love each other just as I have loved you. And if you think about that for just a few seconds, you'll realize that Jesus is calling us to something that is way beyond our natural ability. He's not just saying, hey, just turn up the loveometer reading just a little bit. That, I just made that word up. That is not a word, but why not? Um, he, he, it's way beyond our capacity. Because if you think about how Jesus loves, he loves us through conflict. He, he, he loved us when we were his enemies. He loved us through difficulty. He suffered more than any person could possibly suffer. He suffered personal betrayal. He suffered physically. He suffered uh, to be uh, uh, cut off from the presence of God. He went to hell and back. And he loves us not only in conflict, not only in difficulty, but also with longevity. Because for 2,000 years, we just said in the creed that Jesus ascended to the Father. And that means that for 2,000 years, Jesus has been loving, serving, praying for the church, caring for the church, loving the church, loving us. And you know what? The church, which the Bible calls Christ's bride, the Lord's bride has given him a lot of reasons to end the relationship. But he won't. He loves us over the long haul. Now, that's not selfish love. That's selfless love. And that kind of love that Jesus shows, that's what we were designed for, but we're too broken to show it. And therefore, the only person who ever has loved fully is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who has loved perfectly the way humanity was meant to love perfectly. So when you look at him, you see the real thing. You see what it really means to be the full image of God, the one who truly represents God's love well, perfectly, pristinely. And that's why in verse 33, look at verse 33, he says, where I'm going, you can't come with me. Jesus is talking about the cross, and the disciples have been with him everywhere he's gone, but he says, in the next 24 hours, I'm going to do something that I have to do alone. You can't come with me. It ends up they all want to run away from him anyway, but he says, you're not even allowed to come with me. Why? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross alone? Jesus had to go to the cross alone because he's the only one who could rightly, perfectly, selflessly love. He's the only person in history who could love like God calls us to love because he is both human and God at the same time. He's the real image of God. And that's why we're like Peter. Peter can love Jesus, but he's always loving him to a point. 
He could love Jesus sincerely, but only to a point. He couldn't love all the way. He couldn't love to the extent that Jesus commands him to love and commands us to love. And this is, again, this explains why it is that um, he failed so badly, Peter. It explains why we fail so badly. It explains why the church has failed so badly in loving. You know, if you understand the gospel well, you won't be surprised when you see the church fail. You'll be grieved by the church's failure, but you will not be surprised by it. It's a remarkable passage because in this passage, Jesus gives us this command, but he also shows us why it is that we can't really pull it off. But then he does one more thing. (laughs) And the last thing he does is he shows us how it is that we can receive a love that we cannot generate. We can't generate this love, but we can receive it. Because here Jesus says, I'm going to the cross alone. And as he goes to the cross alone, he goes into conflict and he goes into difficulty and he is hated by the religious leaders and he loves them in return. And he's abandoned by his disciples and he loves them in return and he just gushes out love that's selfless and he gives his life in exchange for the very people who try to kill her, who do kill him and who abandon him. And he does all of it so that those who are his enemies can be adopted into his family. And here's the crazy thing, friends. That love is not just poured out when he was on the cross 2,000 years ago. That cross is poured out to you and to me today. And that's why on ourselves, we can never love like Jesus. But, When you see Jesus loving you, even though you're naturally his enemy. I know that's a strong word, but it's the word the Bible uses. When you see Jesus loving you, even though it cost him everything. When you see Jesus loving you throughout all eternity, and he just won't give up. When you see that clearly, what happens is that that love comes into our hearts, we receive it, and then it sort of replicates itself in our hearts. It begins to sort of reproduce itself. And before long, we're given power to love Jesus in return as he has loved us. And then, not only do we find ourselves loving Jesus in return as he has loved us, but then we have new resources and new power, not generated by ourselves, but received from Jesus, to look out at people in the midst of conflict, difficulty, and over the long haul, and say, I want to love you. I want to love you. I want to love you freely because I have been loved freely. I want to love you even when you hurt me because I was loved when I hurt Jesus. I want to love you in the midst of difficulty because I see love defined in Jesus walking through pain. I want to love you over the long haul because I have a Lord who has never given up on me, though I've given him plenty of reasons to do so. I want to love you in conflict, difficulty, and longevity because I have been loved by the God of the universe in Jesus Christ. It's a simple little command. Go out and try to pull it off on your own strength. It'll crush you. It's a simple little command. The only way to keep it is for the God of the universe to become human and to give his life for you. And that's what he's done. 
Do you remember when, um, have you heard the story when uh, Peter and Jesus catch, up, catch back up? So Peter says, I'll give my life for you. 24, within the 24 hours, he says, I don't even know the guy. And then after Jesus' resurrection, Peter and Jesus have an awkward conversation, right? Uh, and, and they have breakfast, which was nice of Jesus. Jesus cooks Peter breakfast. And then they have a chat. And, 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 and Jesus asks uh, one question and gives him one command. The question is, Peter, do you love me? He asks him it three times. Peter's heart is broken. And he says, Lord, you know I love you. With tears. And then Jesus looks at him and says, okay. Um, love my people. Feed my sheep. Love the church. Love other people. And when Jesus said that, he was looking at Peter and he says, though you failed me, I will never fail you. I love you in the midst of your failure. Now, with receiving that love of this very moment, extend that love to other people. Now, Emmanuel, every one of us and all of us together, that's your story. That's your story. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to love others with the love that you have received from him. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmanuel Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jim Saladin, the minister here. At Emmanuel, we seek to see, describe, and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of New York City and ultimately the world. We rely on the generous giving of people like you Consider supporting our ministries at www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.